Welcome to the Beyond Mom Podcast, the podcast for moms seeking connection to self while navigating the journey of motherhood. Get inspired with our practical tools, soulful conversations, and honest stories told by other women like you. From entrepreneurship to healthy living to style, Beyond Mom will spark you to live the thriving life you deserve. And now, join our host, Randy Zinn, as she takes you Beyond Mom. Hi, everybody, and welcome to On Air with Beyond Mom. This is Randy Zinn, Beyond Mom founder. I'm so glad that you're tuning in today for what I know is going to be an extremely insightful, unique conversation. I have the privilege of connecting with our guest today. Her name is Stephanie Sai, and she is um, she's a journalist. Um, she's a mom. She just has some really wonderful things to share. Stephanie Sai is an Emmy award-winning national news anchor, host, and correspondent with more than 16 years of domestic and international experience at Al Jazeera America and ABC News. She's covered major, major news events, um, both from the field and as an anchor, ranging from the uh, Beijing Olympics to the war in Iraq to North Korea's nuclear tests to President Obama's historic visit to Cuba. Um, she just she's really touched so many fascinating things and, and had the privilege of sitting down with very well-known worldwide um, celebrities and experts. So when I met Stephanie at a recent event, I just knew that I wanted her to share her stories with with the Beyond Moms, with my listeners. So she's here with us today. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Randy. So good to be with you. I'm, I'm so excited for you to share um, the fact that you are obviously a female. You are um, a worldwide, world-traveled journalist. Um, I think many of us look at someone like yourself who has, you know, touched so many corners of the world and so many... Uh, really important issues. Um, and I think, I mean, I myself asked the question, has this always um, been part of you? Has this always been your dream? And, and giving us a little bit of a sense of what it's been like to be a woman in the world of journalism. Yeah, it, it has, I think, always been a part of me. My mother um, was an aspiring journalist who immigrated to the U.S. from Taiwan in 1969, went to the University of Missouri on a scholarship to get her master's degree in journalism. Turned out that her English wasn't good enough to survive the really rigorous journalism program there, and she ended up getting her degree in communications. But I, I've always thought it was in the blood I remember in the 1980s being about 10 years old, and my family always got a couple of newspapers, the Chinese newspaper, the Los Angeles Times, and our local city paper. And I remember around the time that the Ethiopian famine was happening, and I just remember um, looking at the pictures on the front page of starving children um, in Ethiopia, and it really resonating with me from a really young age. I was captivated by world events and by the news. And so it was sort of a natural extension from those really early days. And from there, I became, you know, editor of my junior high school paper, editor of my high school newspaper. Um, you know, people used to joke that I would be the next Connie Chung, although that means a totally different thing now, I think, today than it did in the 80s, when she was a really respected, esteemed journalist, and she still is. 
Um, so I, I think it was just always a passion and, and I'm one of the lucky people I think that really had a calling from a really young age and then later on in my adult life had the opportunities to actually fulfill the calling. That's amazing. What exactly was the calling, do you think? Was it to to report? Was it to tell stories that can inspire people, educate people? That's such a great question. I think it was all of that. I think um, that it was first just a concern and sort of a view that was wider than the one I grew up in, it, that, that I always just seemed to care about problems elsewhere, um, not just in my immediate town or school or family, that I always had sort of a sort of save the world mentality from a young age. And journalism became sort of the incarnation of that, um, that it seemed like the pathway. I was always a writer. I always loved to write and to read. I'm a pathological reader. And so it seemed natural that that was going to be how I impacted the world was through that medium, through initially through writing. The broadcast thing kind of came up by accident later, Um but I think the calling was to impact the world by telling stories and bearing witness to history. That is profound, Stephanie, actually. It really is. So what has it been like being a woman in the world of journalism? It seems that um, it could both be a pretty magical thing and a pretty challenging thing. You know, I think... There are a couple of different answers to the question. There's being a woman and then there's being a mother um, journalist. As a woman, I really, um, in broadcasting, as a woman, to be in journalism is a very unique challenge. I don't know if you've heard the recent news that a former Fox News anchor Gretchen Carlson is suing Roger Ailes, who is the founder of the Fox Network for Sexual Harassment. Um. And I very much, I don't know the facts of the story, but I can very much say she's a courageous woman for doing that. Because beyond journalism, I'm in broadcast journalism, which is a lot for women about looks and how you look. And sexuality is part of that. And it it is just part of the business. It is just a surface business on that level. Um, so as a woman, I was always very conscious of my gender in certain circumstances. For example, I covered the military when I was a re- local reporter in Norfolk, Virginia. And I was embedded with troops in Iraq and in Kuwait in the lead up to the invasion. And I remember going to the bathroom one day and there was a sign on the bathroom saying you should not be walking around this camp on your own. If you're a woman, you should always have a buddy because we've had several cases of sexual assault. And so there's the issue of physical safety when I was in conflict zones, um, which is real. I'm a petite woman, um, don't look particularly strong or intimidating, and I'm not. And so I was very conscious of sometimes the physical insecurity of being in conflict zones, which a man might not have to face. Then there is being a journalist as a mother. And I would say I was always very affected by certain stories that involve children and the victimization of children and women. 
I remember covering school shooting, a school shooting that was um, an Amish school shooting in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, several years ago. And I wasn't a mother, um, but I just remember that night calling my mother and crying for the first time um, as a journalist on the field, just the thought of, you know, little girls being victimized um, really touched me. And then when I became a mother, you know, incidents of mass school shootings and terrorist events where children and women were victimized, they really affected me in a really profound way. Um, that really made me question sort of my role as a journalist and my role as a mother and how to, how to balance the two and also how to protect, you know, my daughter from seeing some of the things that I was reporting on. So there was a lot of conflict, I think, you know, when I became a mother and, and also was covering those types of stories. And so how have you, how have you explained those things to her and how do you both share pertinent information as you know it and yet protect innocence and childhood? I do everything I can. Belle is five years old, and I do everything I can to protect her from any negative news. So unless she has seen it or heard it accidentally, I don't watch the news in front of her. I don't even listen to the news um, for the most part around her. I, I want to protect her for as long as I can. I actually did a story about this a couple of years ago when I was at Everyday Health. Um, I was a reporter for a website for a while, and it was after the Newtown shootings in Connecticut. And I interviewed a child psychologist about how you should talk to your children about this. And she basically said, you really need to pay attention to their age. If they're less than eight or nine years old, you really should protect them. Like, don't talk about it in front of them. Don't have conversations about it at all. Don't turn on the radio. Really try to completely keep them in a bubble when it comes to that. So that's been my approach while Bell is five. If they bring things up on their own because they've heard them accidentally, that's when it's difficult and you do have to address it. For example, Bell lately has been hearing a lot about guns, and I don't know if it's something she's picking up at school or something she's picked up through movies and media that she's been exposed to, but she's got this obsession with guns and whether, you know, she asked me the other night, do police shoot children? (laughs) And, you know, she asked me that question a few months after Tamir Rice had been killed in a park for holding a fake pistol. Um, a child who had been shot by police. And it was one of those moments where I just froze and I didn't know what to say. And eventually I said, you know, no, I mean, police don't shoot children. Police are here to protect us. And, you know, police only use their guns to, you know, to, and I tried to explain like the notion of deterrence. But I sort of had to fudge the answer. I had to lie a little bit because as a journalist, I know that there have been incidents where children have been shot and killed by guns. And, um, you know, that's been a real challenge for me is how to address how to address that issue. Mm. I think it's a challenge for every parent. I think your unique challenge is you probably know even more than most yeah, of us. Too much. <laughs> too much. It's true. It's true. I I also find I mean this is sort of just I think all of us as moms, parents, 
we figure out our own unique way of shaping information or shifting a child's perspective on something. Um, my son is a little bit younger than your daughter. He's four and a half, and he's recently gotten into guns, too. And it's a little bit of, like, the masculine boy, like, Ninja Turtle, like, that whole thing. And, you know, we let him know that we really don't like guns, um, but yet we can't seem to get him off of sort of the little fascination of it. Um, And recently I suggested to him that I would like this gun if it shot love at me. And <laughs> that's great. That's terrific. And he liked it. And he's yeah. and he started saying that he was shooting love at me and it became this sort of a loving thing. Oh, I love that. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> Except that I've already told her that guns can kill people and they're not toys. You know, <laughs> so I don't know if I can back because I, I think it is necessary in this day and age to make kids aware that guns are dangerous. In fact, you know, so this whole conversation about guns really started about a year ago when Belle was your son's age. And it's evolved into now she wants to be a policewoman because she recently saw that movie Zootopia. Which is a the, great a great movie, actually. Which is a really terrific movie. And But the main character is sort of this crime-fighting, wonderful little bunny who empowers herself um, partially just by the virtue of her moxie, but also ultimately with a weapon. And I think that the way that Belle has incorporated her fear, which is, I think, a really visceral fear of guns because she knows that they can kill people and she knows about their power. She's incorporated that and processed it by saying, well, I want to have a gun. I want to be a policewoman. And I, you know, I'm not discouraging that. You know, I think every kid at some point wants to be a firefighter, a police person. Um, But the conversation has now evolved to where I actually have conversations with her about the advertising that we see around the city. So there's this new movie. There's two new movies out. One is a Matt Damon adventure film, and another one is the with, with Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and it's a comedy. And the movie posters have been plastered all over New York City, and they're guys with guns. And in some cases, with The Rock, he's smiling with a gun. And it's such a mixed message, I think, when you're telling your kid, like, these are serious weapons. They can keep kill people. They're not good. And yet there's this guy smiling with a gun. Um, and so I've started just telling her, you know... I just made the observations in front of her. I said, you know, I don't understand, Belle, why they have to have guns on their poster. Like, that's a deadly weapon. Like, And so now we're just having that conversation where it's just my opinion, and I'm not trying to lecture her about it, but I'm just trying to observe it. and just so Because I know she sees it, and I think kids need to sort of talk things out so they can process what they're seeing. Um, and so now we're having that conversation and that's sort of how I deal with it. Now, when it comes to other news stories that I've covered, um, I've covered a lot of terrorism. I worked at Al Jazeera when, you know, Al Jazeera closed in April, unfortunately, but they did really hard news and I, I anchored the morning show, but we weren't doing cooking segments. Um, we were on the ground in Syria and we were showing children who had been caught in crossfire and, migrant children who were starving. I mean, we were showing really serious stuff and I would never let Belle watch my newscast 
But when it comes to terrorism and bombings and, and all of that, I've been successfully able to completely protect her from that and from even the word terrorism. Um, I've made a really concerted effort to just protect her from that for as long as I can because I don't know how to explain it to myself. Well, I, I think that was going to be my next question. <laughs> you know, I think, um, I think that... I think most of us can resonate with the fact that we want to protect our children from these horrifying things that are happening in the world. And at the same time, I mean, we're the adults. And how do we even, exactly what you said, how do we even explain it to ourselves and sort of manage our own anxiety? Um, you know, I even I even hear you saying, you know, I was in Syria and, and I'm imagining, was your daughter born at that point yet when you yeah, were? Well, I wasn't in Syria. I was just saying, like, I at that, you know, since, well, that's, I'll answer your first question first, which is how do we deal with an anxiety? And then I think the second question is, like, how did my career change after Belle was born? One thing is I stopped going to conflict zones. <laughs> so I'll go back to that. But um, as far as how we manage our own anxiety, it's interesting because I think I actually have somewhat less anxiety about terrorism as a threat, as a, as a mother, because I know it's so rare and I think the way we in the media, especially the mainstream media, portrays terrorism is that, like, it could happen anytime, and it's inevitable, and, like, don't go to crowded spaces. And, like, in some ways, I am less concerned about the threat of terrorism than I am by us getting hit by a car on the Upper West Side. I mean, honestly. But I will say I have a very sharp and keen situational awareness that I think all moms have. You know, like I, I feel like the first six months of Isabel's life, I was total mama bear. I was hyper vigilant of every possible threat, and I'm still like that. So we went to the Fourth of July fireworks on the East River this year, huge crowds. Um, and I was super vigilant of like, okay, where do I go if a bombing goes off? Like I was super aware of the exits. I was super aware of keeping her away from anyone that was too drunk, where a fight might break out. Um, you know, I was, I just had a sort of hypervigilance, but I think every mom has that. I just think like maybe I'm a little bit more aware of threats. I have a friend who's a journalist, who's a mother of three and she's become almost, I think, too protective of her children. We've talked about that. I think she's okay with me talking about that here. She is so afraid of her kids being, you know, the victims of like sexual predators that she won't let her kids walk a few blocks to school. You know, like she, because she's covered so many stories as a journalist of children being victimized that she's become so overprotective. And I think we have to really be careful about that. And we really need to look at the real threats, um, that exist. You know, I, I think it's more likely that, you know, a car accident or getting hit by a bus like is going to happen than a terrorist attack. So I try to keep things in perspective like that. And I also try to like, I think awareness and you and I, I think talked a little bit about this at the panel we were at that just being aware of your fears and, and managing them and, and deciding which ones do I listen to here and which ones really don't make sense and aren't rational that I'm going to put aside so I can really focus on what's important in life. Right. I mean, I agree with you. Um, <clears throat> I also, I have some media background too in my past life, but I did do quite a bit of understanding about how the, the news and um, the media world does shape a certain 
panic, if you will. Mm. And it does make you feel like anything and everything could happen at any next corner. And as a mom, I mean, my God, it's it just elevates the, the anxiety to a whole other level because you're literally programmed to protect your young. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think I view it also similarly as, you know, major plane crashes. You see a major plane mm. crash and it's like, but how many millions of flights happen every single day around the world? So, I mean, I, I, it makes it, the news makes it feel right now like the threat to all of us as families and, you know, walking around just doing what we normally do is imminent. Um, but in reality, is it still what you would consider rare? I, I absolutely think the data, and I'm a very just fact-based journalist, um, that the data doesn't bear out that the threats are greater to us. In fact, I think the data pretty solidly says that there are fewer threats to us as families and as women and as children today than there were. Um, so I, I stick with, with that. And, and really, if you sort of dig into what the threats are, they are less. I mean, we are far less likely to die in car accidents, for example, which is really the number one cause of the death of young people um, and not terrorism. I mean, it, being a victim of a terrorist attack, I mean, that is less than the probability of getting struck by lightning. Having said that, you know, we live in New York City. And again, I know this is sort of paradoxical, but I am very vigilant. I and mean, when I'm in the subway, I am looking around, not, but I'm not just looking around at suspicious packages and suspicious people. I mean, I'm looking around for all sorts of threats. You know, I'm looking around to see if there's somebody that might be mentally ill that might push us onto the platform. <laughs> like, I, I constantly have doomsday scenarios. I think so much of motherhood is anticipation. Um, and I think when the anticipation becomes anxiety, it's not helpful to your child because they pick up on it. Um, and so I really try to balance anticipation, which I think is healthy and is very natural and primal. Like you said, it is very mama bear and it protects our young and it's part of our evolution. And to just be aware of that and acknowledge that as something that's healthy and helps our species survive, but at the same time, not let it veer into neuroses and anxiety to where it's not helpful and it keeps us from fully living our lives. And I, and I think that is the balance that we need to strike as modern parents living in New York City, where the threats are ever, they seem ever present. Mm, yeah. All right. I'm feeling like we need to shift gears here because this is a lot of, there's a lot of, this is heavy stuff. I, I mean, I'm glad we're talking about it because I think that every mom listening can relate to this anxiety. And I think it's really interesting and comforting to hear from your journalistic perspective of what's real, what's not, you know, how do we manage what we know or don't know? So I think that's amazing. Um, I do want to hear more about how you have juggled your career and the presence of your daughter and, and your life and what you're building for your future, your beyond mom dreams and, and all those positive things. I mean, you've caught me in such a period of transition um, because uh, the network that I was working for, Al Jazeera, unfortunately shut down. And I went from having my dream job, which allowed, and it was my dream job because I loved the work and we were doing very serious news. And I had a Monday through Friday anchor position based in New York that also allowed me to pick up my daughter from school and have an amazing work-life balance, and I felt fulfilled in every 
way I, and, and it really was my dream job. So I lost that, um, a few months ago and I'm really in a period of transition where, and it's really different. If I were 26 and going through this transition and didn't have my child, like the calculations would be really different. For one, after I had Isabel, I pretty much told myself that I would stop going to conflict zones. Um, and as somebody who had built her career for nine years at ABC News as a foreign correspondent, that really puts a damper on your career. You know, if the thing that you've built your career on is traveling, including to conflict zones, and you all of a sudden say to your employer, I'm not going to do that anymore, then what good are you to them? And so that was a challenge, but I made that commitment. Um, and I'm also a single mother, so that that is a huge circumstantial change that all, has also changed the calculation. So I guess what I'm trying to find right now is the next great idea. Um, I'm trying to figure out what that is, and I don't really have the answer yet, but I do know that working is something I've all, that's always been important to me. I've worked since I could work since I was 16 because I like that sense of independence. And even when I was married, I craved that sense of financial independence. And also because I, I still have a little bit of that save the world in me. I mean, that's not gone. Um, it's different. It's I'm not going to try to save the world at all costs to time with my daughter. But it's still in there. And, and what I'm trying to figure out right now is how to, again, fulfill all of those pieces of me, you know, the part that really wants to be there for my kid and really thinks that's necessary, that I'm the central figure in her life, but also that knows that I have these very, um, these needs that are really outside of motherhood. I think that that's it. I think it's amazing, actually, to catch you at this time where you are in transition, Stephanie, because I think that there... You know, we like to hear stories that are neatly tied in a bow. And, you know, we like to hear either, um, you know, I had this amazing career that was my dream. And then I had a baby and I either continued it or I completely found that next thing right away. And it was there it was. But, yeah. you know, I think most of us, many of us will find comfort in hearing that there is a middle zone and there's a zone of redefining and figuring out what the next calling is and is it you know are, are you going to morph are you going to i'm sure you're morphing and changing and shifting what your um passions and and priorities are and i think it's amazing to tell that honest truth yeah well i'm glad i i and i do think that periods of uncertainty are extremely important to embrace um, I think that the one thing that's consistent about motherhood is just that there is no certainty. There's nothing you can really grasp onto forever, not even, you know, the love of your life, your child, um, that you have to expect that they're going to change and evolve. And, and so that's been the greatest lesson about motherhood is that everything is uncertain. And rather than try to control it all and figure out exactly what's happening, like, let me just be in this period of uncertainty for a while and, be okay with that and write it out until, you know, until I either just need to pay the bills or until something emerges out of, you know, me talking to people in my network and, and me being open to, to new experiences. That's wonderful. 
Well, you have such an inspiring story, Stephanie, and I know there's like a million and one stories that you could share with us, and I kind of want to hear all of them. I want to hear, <laughs> I mean, I want to hear everything. Um, but in the interest of time, <clears throat> I, I think that our listeners probably are struck with your journey in the now and what you've learned and how you're bringing it into motherhood. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you so much. Where can our listeners find more of you? Um, I know you have a site, or, but tell us where, where they can follow or any of that good stuff. Well, I, I have a new website now <laughs> that my partner built for me, called, and it's stephaniesai.tv. And eventually I'm hoping to just write. Um, I have lots of thoughts, that, I, and I'd like to write more, so maybe that will end up on the site and also, I've been at Yahoo News this summer, so you can see interviews that I've done with newsmakers um, at Yahoo News. And I'm on Twitter at the Steph Sai, and I'm also on Facebook. So I'm in all of those places. I'm not super active on social media, and you won't find like a ton of pictures of my kid because I'm very sort of private for the most part um, with having her out there. I guess that's part of like the that feeling of oh I'm a journalist and I know you know that bad things can happen when you put your kids too far out but <laughs> but yeah those are the places you can find me it was such a it was so great to talk to you Randy they're really good good questions great Stephanie I really really appreciate your time and your honesty most importantly and of course we wish you nothing but luck as you figure out this next moment in your career and in your life as a beyond mom. Thank you so much and stay in touch. I will. And to all of you out there listening today, I so appreciate you giving your precious time to this conversation and mostly for giving yourself the time to be inspired and educated by these amazing stories that our, our Beyond Mom contributors have to share with you. Um, take care, everyone. Have a great day.